0: Let us uh, bring in our pal, Joel Klatt, lead college football analyst at Fox Sport and our only college analyst uh, here on the show. He's presented by Audi Flatirons. Good morning, Joel. How are you? I'm good. I was just scheduling a trip to go
1: see the Eiffel Tower in Vegas.
0: <laughs> it's <a> beautiful. <laughs> hey, it's absolutely a beautiful rendering of uh, the yeah, Eiffel yeah. Tower. Yeah. Yeah. Stop the render- rendering. Rendering? What, what? Yeah. Isn't that right? Rendering? No. Just go with it, Joel. How just, we doing? Just go with uh,
1: it. You guys doing on a, on a Thanksgiving week? Well, you know how it is.
0: Come on, you've been here. You've been here on a day before a holiday. Yeah, we're it gets just a little loose. Yeah, yeah, we're just trying to get out of here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, might, I may have gotten banned the day before a holiday. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah.
0: Band or not band, that always will, I'll tell you what, when I write the proverbial book about this place, band or no band will have its own very own chapter. Uh, where to start, where to start? Well, hey, another Broncos win in front of the nation. You were settled down on Sunday night watching it. How you feeling about this team and and how
1: the rest of this uh, season is uh, is shaping up? I mean, cautiously optimistic. It, none of it makes any sense, right? I mean, against what you would consider to be the weaker part of their schedule. They play terrible. They're losing to, to Vegas and the Commanders. They give up a, a million yards to, to Miami. And, and yet, now you go through this stretch, stretch where you finally end the Chiefs win streak. You beat the Vikings. You win in Buffalo in a primetime. Like, none of it makes any sense. And to be honest with you, it's not like the, the offense is is all of a sudden setting the world on fire. Um, I think a lot of credit has to go to the defense. We all wanted to run Vince Joseph out of here after that Miami game, and, and that group has totally turned things around. They have been the reason why Denver has been in games, holding um, the Vikings to that field goal is the only reason that the, the offense has a chance. I know we'll probably sing the praises of the last drive and everything, but I was listening to the story it's absolutely correct. I was so frustrated with the offense for the majority of that game. Their lack of effectiveness on third down, their lack of a run game, um, and, and yet, in the end, you know, you got to give Russell a lot of credit because he made the plays necessary. The fourth down on that last drive, third down on that last drive. He was able to, to make the plays necessary to go win. None of it makes sense, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that this team, when you look at the schedule, I think that you know, nine yeah. wins, ten wins is, is certainly within question, which in the AFC I think is probably going to get
0: them in. You you played, you you spent a, an offseason in New Orleans under Sean Payton, and I was telling Mike one of the things about him is his ability to game plan and basically sit down with the defensive staff and go, okay, how many points are we going to need to score to, to win this game? How many points are you going to give up? And yeah. just kind of that strategy, especially on the road, Joel, and I think it's been – Really, one of the things, one of the catalytic events that has created this 12 turnovers in in three games is because they're playing not to light up the scoreboard and win in fantasy, but they're actually game planning to just win a game and what they're going to have to do. Walk me through kind of a Sean Payton kind of game planning experience that you had while you were there.
1: Well, it's so specific, you know, and it's, it's just the, the – the way that he goes about, the way that he goes about evaluating the opposition, I think that that's the unique part of it. And he knows what his team can do. He, he's not in the clouds. I think a lot of times, what ends up happening at a lot of the levels, by the way, it happens in the college level, it happens certainly at the NFL level. But you you get these guys and, and they start to have an inflated view of what their team can do. And what Sean does, I think, as well as anybody out there is he has clear eyes with the way that he evaluates his own team. And, and and then that allows you to evaluate the opposition and start to predict and start to think about how that game is going to play out. But it starts with how you view your own team and, and, and your own players. And he has a unique ability to understand what they can do, what they can't do, and then build those game plans around those things. So, Think, I think that if I was to boil it down to one thing, the, the ability to game plan for an opponent starts with your ability to know yourself. Mm.
0: Joel, we have, are watching the league right now that scoring is as low as it's been in the last 13 years, no less an authority than Tom Brady came out and said that he thinks the play in the NFL today is mediocre. Do you see the same thing? What do you think yes. of the pro- What do you uh, think of the product?
1: Well, there's a difference between quality football and entertaining, you know. And is it as entertaining as it's ever been? Yes. Um, is the football as as good and clean and detailed? Is the level of execution as high? Is the level of skill as high? I, I don't think that that's the case. Um, I, I, I do think that part of it part of it, but not all of it. Part of it is the quicker cycle of coaching. And we have it at both levels in the NFL and, and in the college game. But what happens is, is that when you run through coaches as often as, as you do at these two levels, because of the quick nature with which we want to fire and hire coaches, you, you deplete the supply of coaches so fast that they're unable to develop. And, and as coaches are not able to develop, then what they lose is they lose is the how and the why, and then they only teach the what, okay. So three things make a really, really good coach and allow that coach to develop players to be better and execute better and to be more detailed, you've got to teach them what to do. You've got to teach them how to do it. And then the really good ones teach them why they're doing that, that way. And so the the how is the technique aspect and, and, and the why gets more into the schematics of what you're doing. But when you don't develop coaches and then you're running through and you're depleting the supply of coaches, those coaches don't learn how to teach the how or how to teach the why. Then you're sending out players that only know what they're doing. Then you start changing the rules of the game and now you're not protecting yourself or quarterbacks are not protecting their own wide receivers and his little little section when he starts talking about, and I, Mike, I talked about this when, when I was on with you, about the hospital balls from quarterback. Right, we right. have put the onus completely on the defense and taking it completely away from the quarterback to comp- uh, protect their own players. It's wild. We've, I see flat routes being thrown into jam corners all the time. I, I see over routes being thrown into, in, into post-safety. Or, or Tampa's, too, drop Mike linebackers with their eyes all over the quarterback, and we're just leading receivers right across the middle. You didn't used to do that because you would get benched. You would get benched because you would lose the trust of your wide receivers, and they wouldn't go over there. They wouldn't go over the middle. It used to be a thing. Oh, this guy will go over the middle. He's tough as nails. Now we go over the middle, and quarterbacks are actually taught put the ball out there in precarious spots because there's more outcomes than than bad outcomes, positive outcomes than bad outcomes because of the possibility of a flag. So all of those factors, depleting the supply of the coach, not teaching the how and the why, and then also the rules and how that's changing the game, all of those factors I uh, make me agree with what Tom was saying.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of there are a lot of things in today's game that just aren't aren't well coached or aren't well taught and aren't well executed. And and there's no question about that. I, I would, I would ask you this uh, cause we got in this discussion yesterday um, and you know, it's, it's my snarkiness with all the analytics folks that always spit uh, numbers in my eyes. But if you want, oh, the ones did, the ones that don't have any consequences. Yes, yes, yes.
1: So, yeah, they just they just shout out like go, and then like they
0: right. don't have to deal it, with it, the the failure. Exactly, exactly. Go for it hundred percent of the time because you know it never fails. And uh, I, we actually only really worked on two. Uh, two-point conversion play so let's just start wasting them early in the game because uh well, the rest of our you know the rest of our menu is non-existent we'll just start, pull. Yeah, something. yeah
1: let's chase points down nine because you know I what really is a, is a factor is <laughs> this is me knowing what I need rather than you know the extra possession <laughs> right. that now I'm gonna need in order to win the game right these it, people are so dumb yes
0: but my my thought process is this based on analytics Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes tell me why I'm wrong his numbers are better
1: I mean, that's, that's obviously untrue because I have eyeballs. Right, exactly. You know, like, I, it, it, so, Russell is, is playing really well for what the Broncos need. And what the Broncos need is someone to, to keep them in the game. They need someone to play within the system, not hurt them. You know, don't fumble the ball on third down. And, and don't put the ball in precarious spots. And the turnover, you know, issue that they've been on the plus side of is a big reason why they've had this turnaround, and now they're five and five. That's far different than what Patrick Mahomes is asked to do, which is be the focal point and the centerpiece of everything that they do offensively. So, you know, like, saying that Wilson is better than Patrick Mahomes is patently absurd. And all you can do, the only way to derive that opinion is to have your face jammed so far into the crack. And, and it might not just be a book that you don't know what you're watching. Would you
0: be okay with Russell Wilson being the Broncos quarterback next year?
1: It's you know, looking that way. If they can continue to play like this. Um, and again, hes he is a complimentary piece to what is right now an overarching team that's doing everything fairly well. Again, some things you can't explain. Like, they're not really stopping the run, and they didn't run the ball, but they were able to win the game. It's it's, it's fascinating to, to watch this thing play out. I think a lot of it has to come down to turnovers. But if you tell me that this this team can play as well around Russell as what they're playing right now, then yes. You know, like, he's on trajectory right now to lead them to the playoffs. Then Then you keep that because what's the alternative? they've played themselves out of the, the position where they would get a great quarterback in the draft. And unless you can go sign somebody, then what are you going to do? You know, like you can make a change, but I've always said you better make changes to be better and not just make changes for change sake. Um, and I think that's where Denver's at right now.
0: So uh you've got a big one this weekend on the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes Michigan. I mean that's uh it pretty doesn't get any better than that. Uh what like
1: like like Tiger and Phil on Sundays on the back nine on Masters, you know? Like that's yes. what this is.
0: Yeah. I mean it just is great and, teams who don't like each other. Yeah. Yeah. And and no and no Jim Harbaugh for this. I mean like how does that change things in the way you prep this game?
1: Well, it's not going to change my preparation, but I, but I do, I do just wonder. You know, I I know having been a part of or at least called this game uh, the last several years, I know that it's totally different. You know, it's got to feel at times like Mark. I'm I'm sure the first time you were in a Super Bowl, you were like, oh my gosh, this is different. I feel different. The timing is different. Everything about it is different. And and the more that you're in them, you know, and you are in several. Uh, then, then the more you get used to that and you understand how to deal with those things. Cause those en- emotions are going to be there. It's not that you're not going to be nervous. It's not that it's not going to be different or bigger or monumental. It's just that you're used to it. You've felt it before. And so from my standpoint, when I look at this game, I'm looking at Sharon Moore as the acting head coach. And yeah, he's, he's been an acting head coach at Penn state and at Maryland against Bowling green earlier in the year. But it's not going to be like this game. And, and, and for that reason, you know, I, I just I, I look at Michigan, and I'm just cautious about Michigan because, because of that fact. You need all hands on deck in, in this game. And, and I can tell you that there's going to be no shortage of, of, of vitriol because, my goodness, man, these two teams absolutely hate each other. And, and this game, I don't know if we're ever going to get it um, to this magnitude again. Um, I don't want to work in the hyperbolic, but with the 12-team playoff and the Big Ten doing away with divisions in the future, there's a good chance that this game could be replayed in the conference championship game, that the loser would definitely be into the 12-team playoff. So as far as the stakes go, I don't think the loser can get into the playoff this year. This this might be the last Michigan-Ohio State game of this magnitude that we see. And I know that that's sad in some respects as we kind of evolve forward in college football, but it certainly makes me excited for Saturday.
0: So right now we have the four teams in the college football playoff, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, all 11-0, and 0, all undefeated. Is, do any of those teams, can they lose a game and still stay in the top four?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. I think that the the hard part is that there's a lot of teams knocking on the door right outside of that. Florida State's also undefeated. They're fifth. Uh, Texas and Oregon only have one loss, and they're sitting there, and Oregon's going to have a chance to play. Washington, Bama is sitting there with one loss. So it's going to be difficult. I would just paint this scenario for you and and just follow me for, for a brief moment. There's a good chance that the Big Ten champion is going to be undefeated. The winner of this game is likely going to go on and, and probably beat Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. That that team would be in. Let's say Florida State wins out. They would probably be in. And then just a hypothetical, Oregon beats Washington. Bama beats Georgia. Texas wins. Okay, so that leaves five if not six teams, if you're talking about the loser of the big, this game, Ohio State and Michigan, that would all have one loss for two spots. And so there is a chance that some of those teams, whether it's the loser of this game or Georgia, uh, could lose and and potentially get in. Washington could potentially lose and and get in. But a lot of it will have to come down to the way the committee views those teams if that scenario were to play out. Um, And I think that that would be fascinating and kind of a beautiful disaster in this last year in which we have this four-team farce of a playoff. Assuming
0: the Buffs lose on... Uh, this weekend to Utah and finish. Why, four- why you
1: got to bring up negative stuff? Why you got to do that? Why you got to start with just negative stuff? I said, Why, does, I why said, do we have to assume they lose? Okay. All right. If they lose, or if they're, go. or if they're unable
0: to win, if Utah, there you go. if Utah shocks the Buffs. <laughs>
1: Okay. I love where like, that didn't take better. long. Look at you. Better. You know what? Teachable. You know? Stink, look at this yeah, guy. He's he,
0: teachable. He is teachable. Despite being a 22 point favorite, if Utah is able to shock the world and beat CU, good?
1: Will you still look at a 4 and 8 season for CU as a success? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question. You look at what this program is uh, now versus what they were at this point last year. There's, there is no question. I understand that the, the back half of the season has been disappointing, but that disappointment was only there because the expectations got raised so fast and so high. You know, all of a sudden we were talking about, you know, oh, maybe they can win seven or eight games, and they were ranked. And and that level of expectation went, went so high. They are light years better on the field than they were a year ago. You know, yeah, they mismanaged the Stanford game. Maybe they mismanaged Oregon State as well. Uh, they had a chance and really to beat a, a very good football team in Arizona. There's three – I mean, they, they are in such a better position. They're well-positioned uh, from from a recruiting standpoint going into the off season. I think that they're going to be able to address the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think that they're going to be able to take a, another substantial jump again next season. They got to four this year. It's a 400% increase. Um, I think that they can take another substantial jump. I, I'll be surprised if they're not, you know, a, a top half Big 12 team, if not competing for the Big 12 title next year, based on what I believe can happen in this off season and in, in recruiting in the transfer portal.
0: All right. Hey, Joel, man, have happy Thanksgiving. Have a great one. Yeah. And we can't wait to watch uh, the call between Ohio state and Michigan.
1: Well, listen guys, you know, I know we come on, there's a lot of snark and and everything. And I try to say this every single year. I'm so thankful for both of you. You know, obviously known each of you now for a long time. Mike, you helped me in my career so much. Mark, you did the same. We're obviously great family, friends, and I cherish that. Uh, But just like the whole Denver area, I want everyone to have a wonderful week, a great Thanksgiving. Could not be more thankful to come on every week and just, you know, yap it up about sports. Uh, What's greater than this?
0: Are you thankful for the eight a.m. textures?
1: You know, on a week like this I, I am, you know, because they, they show you they show you the other side. <laughs> and and mm. you can't have light without darkness. And so <laughs> understanding that light, I'm thankful for that. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. All right, I, could, I couldn't have asked for yeah, a better response. Awesome. Thank you, Joel. See you, bud. You got it. Joel Clapp, presented by Audi Flatirons.